You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. And it wasn't until I started using storytelling first as like an artistic expression and then professionally where I could start to trust myself again because I had no choice but to share who I was. And it felt like I just felt aligned in sharing who I was with purpose. Every time we wake up to a new day, we have the opportunity to have a new experience and tell a new story. Storytelling is one powerful component of brand visibility. But how do we begin to take up more space? How do we begin to communicate differently? How do we begin to tell our stories? And as we're exploring this, how do we navigate doing that in a way where we don't change who we are and we're able to more deeply connect with others, our people, our audiences, our colleagues, our clients, and begin to humanize our brand? You are listening to Flaunt Your Fire, the branding and visibility podcast where we own our values as we amplify our influence. I am your host, India Jackson, and I am so excited to dig into today's episode because we are going to be exploring all things, taking up space and storytelling. And part of why I'm so excited for today's episode is because I know that you have a bunch of stories living within you, some funny ones, some ones that are inspiring, some ones that people wouldn't expect that you had. And I just want to remind you that storytelling has this powerful way to connect with people. And it's the stories that we think that are not relevant, the things about ourselves that we feel like might be strange or outrageous or too vulnerable or too different. These are the things, these are the stories we have to go with them that are exactly what will resonate with your people. When we take the opportunity to share our stories, we're able to capture a slither of who we are and share that with other people. And this really allows others to resonate with us on a human level, not just by your latest offer or click on your affiliate link. 
And this is so important because it's a key piece of number one, disrupting the expectations of what it means to be someone who looks like, lives like, loves like, or whose occupation and area of expertise is similar to yours. That can be so many different ways. And also, it truly allows us to go deeper beyond what we sell and build a more meaningful and lasting relationship with those who have raised their hand or who have filled out our email list newsletter or who have hit the button and decided to subscribe to your podcast or followed you on social media. It allows you the opportunity to connect with them in such a deep and meaningful way to where they are more likely to stay with you for a lifetime, no matter what you choose to sell long-term. Because let's be real, you know, we all evolve and pivot and change things about our offerings, our business, ourselves as we grow and we learn and we evolve into new things. And so this storytelling piece is just so, so important to everything that we talk about here when it comes to branding and visibility. And I'm going to be honest, storytelling has not necessarily been like my personal strongest area out of my own head trash and resistance and fear. I love supporting clients with recognizing when they have a great story. I love supporting others and encouraging them to get out there and do it but it's not really my area of expertise or my strength personally. So I couldn't think of anybody better to support this conversation today about storytelling than Hillary Ray. And if you haven't heard of Hillary Ray, let me tell you about Hillary. Today's guest told her first story on stage 12 years ago. She cashed in all of her change at her bank's coin counter for admission into the event. And then while leisurely walking to the venue was splashed from head to toe by a bus. Her name was drawn first out of the bag and she's been telling stories ever since. Hillary Ray is the founder of Tell Me a Story, a communication, consulting, and coaching business that teaches multi-passionate entrepreneurs, mission-driven leaders, and committed change makers how to use the art of storytelling as a powerful communication tool. She is a spirited Philadelphian, local to me, and lives with a Japanese cat and produces and hosts a narrative storytelling podcast called Ra Shomen. I am so excited to welcome Hillary to today's episode, and we're going to dig into so many amazing things. We're going to be talking about what trust means to Hillary, what the relationship between trust and taking up space is, why everyone benefits from leaders and service providers setting an example for their clients, and how the take up space trifecta evolved Hillary's life and brand. And as a bonus, we're even going to dig a little bit into some common misconceptions that Hillary as a professional in storytelling encounters about the world of storytelling and communication that she wants to disrupt for you. And last but not least, you know we're actionable here. So Hillary is going to be sharing one small action you can literally take today to create some impact in your life and business when it comes to you taking up space and telling more of your stories. Please welcome Hillary Ray. Welcome to the show, Hillary. Thank you so much for being here today. 
Yeah, India, I'm really happy to be here. And I've been thinking about this conversation ever since we talked about having it. So I'm really happy to to do that with you today. Same. And I just find that it's so great to be introduced to <laughs> cool and values line people. So a special shout out to Ashley Gartland for introducing us. It's one of my favorite things about having the podcast and also one of my favorite things about just the overall energy of Font Your Fire and how you can really begin to expand conversations, expand visibility through networking as well. Yeah, I'm super grateful for that connection and that that happened. And then also I want to shout out Shannon Collins because Shannon and I know each other and I had uh, it was a joy to listen to Shannon's conversation with you and also with you and Erica as well. Uh, we love Shannon so much. <laughs> And I know that in our conversation that we had and getting to know each other a little bit before this recording, we were really digging into visibility and how trust is so important with visibility. And I know our listeners didn't get to be kind of a fly on the wall of that conversation, but I know um, as I'm thinking about that and going into what we'll be digging into today, um, I feel like it's so important to set the stage for this conversation with really being able to lay out what trust means for you. Yeah. So what trust means for me, and this is also in the context of the work that I do and the company that I run. So trust in terms of communicating with other people and using my voice in some capacity, whether it is professionally or artistically and I'm going to use the word trust in my definition of trust. But really what I see trust being in this regard is existing in three realms or three pillars. And that's trust yourself, trust your story or trust what it is that you're speaking up, you know, how you're speaking up and trust your audience. And for me, I need or I hope to have all like be pretty solid in all three of those realms in order for like holistically <laughs> for trust <laughs> to be there as I move through the world. Thank you so much for laying that out. Um, I think it's something that can easily get forgotten to even consider as we're showing up and telling our story or creating content and just the so many different avenues of where we are literally sharing whatever it is we choose to share. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, from that perspective of trusting yourself, trusting your story and trusting your audience, like how did you land on laying this out in that kind of way? Yeah, I think it's something I always believed in or something I was always exploring, tapping into, cultivating for myself and then also like when working with the folks that I work with, like like identifying kind of what was missing, like in the way they were mm -hmm. like using visibility in their work. But it really wasn't until a couple months ago, maybe the end of 2021, where I like said that statement out loud. And I think it was even in a client conversation or on Voxer, which I use with clients. And I was like, oh, like it was just like everything kind of clicked. Like it, it can be said this simply. But I think I'm trying to like, let me think of a concrete moment where I know <laughs> that I could have like really identified this for myself. I mean, I think so my background is in performing and in theater. And I think as a kid, 
like a kid that was like encouraged to perform, encouraged to use my voice, encouraged to be visible. I had a lot of trust in myself and a lot of trust in whatever it was that I was doing, even if it was like singing a song or being a character in a play. And I trusted my audience, whether it was like a parent, a teacher, a friend, or like a public audience, you know? Um, And then I think like, as I got older, and probably a lot of people listening, even if not in the context of performing, like that trust gets taken away because of different experiences in life. And like that definitely happened to me. And it wasn't until I started using storytelling first as like an artistic expression and then professionally where I could start to trust myself again because I had no choice but to share who I was. And it felt like I just felt aligned in sharing who I was with purpose, like whether that purpose was to make an audience of strangers laugh or (laughs) to communicate a message like in the work that I do. So yeah, I kind of skipped the <laughs> the messy middle where maybe different areas of trust were lost, but I'm happy to dive into to each of those and give examples if it's helpful. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that stands out to me is that you mentioned really like being witnessed and, and seen and that trust being there as you stepped out and performed and things like that. And we talk so much about taking up space over at the Pause and the Play podcast and the many different layers of that and how taking up space can look different for people from different demographics, different lived experiences and things like that. And I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, what the relationship may be between trust and being able to take up space in a confident way. For me and for the people that I work with, that I help and give support with this, like I believe I need to have trust in all of those three realms, yourself, your story, your audience, in order to take up space in a way that is fully aligned with who I am, what I do, what I stand for, um, my vision for the world at large. And I feel like that's a big undertaking. And it's not necessarily that there's always going to be like a even amount of trust in each of those areas. I I I don't think it's possible to take up space in a way that feels in service of the people I'm communicating with but also in service of myself without having like that I guess core of trust and especially like trust in self before before doing so and also like I I think also because my background is in theater, my first exposure to taking up space was like, go big or go home, like be the Mm. loudest voice, like have the shiniest costume, (laughs) like kick the highest, all of that. But in like I went to school for musical theater, which is like the extreme of all of that. And what I found in like where my trust in myself and how I was communicating and trust in my audience kind of started to dissipate was because I realized I didn't want to be the sparkliest or the loudest or the jazz handiest and that that wasn't who I am but I couldn't figure out who like the other alternatives to to that and so I I just want to name that taking up space isn't like a turning up of the volume it's really like I see it as like coming into the light in 
like as yourself, but like with purpose and for a purpose. Oh, I just got chills as you said that. (laughs) And it makes me really wonder uh, if you could try to describe for someone listening or reading the article associated with this episode, what it feels like to be in that moment of, you know, letting the light shine through and taking up that space and maybe what it feels like when that trust is not there, but you're still attempting to do that. Yeah. I have two examples. I would say, so with my background in storytelling as my artistic expression, I, this is like, I don't even know, this had to have been 2013. So a long time ago, (laughs) I was back and forth from New York, like from Philadelphia, where I live to New York, like multiple times a week, I would hop on a mega bus, I would spend all day in the Rose reading room at the main public library, like writing stories in my notebook furiously and like working on stories. And if there was I was working on a draft, and if I wanted to change anything, I didn't just like cross things out, I started a whole new draft, it was part of my process and actually part of a process I help people with today. Um, And then I would go and stand in line at these open mic storytelling shows where this was the it's an organization called The Moth. And this was like before online tickets. And like you literally had to stand in line for three hours even to get in to the show. And then when you get in, there's like dozens of people that fill out the form to to submit to in hopes that they can tell their story. And so you fill out this form, you put it in a moth tote bag, and then the host randomly picks names out. And so you have to be ready to go. Like you have to know what story you want to tell and like pretty much how you want to tell it and in like a six minute time constraint. And you don't know whether or not you're going to go. And you don't know anything about your audience, except that it's like a packed room of people that really love stories. So like, it's a pretty safe, like, audience in that regard that you would be supported in some way. And I would go to these shows for like I started telling stories on stage in 2009, so years. And I never got my name picked out of the bag. So it was still like uh, I kept going back because it was also a really amazing experience to be in the audience of those shows. But the very first time my name got picked out of the bag, it was April Fool's Day. I remember it was the Bell House in Brooklyn. It was like the last story before intermission and I heard my name and there was just this like zap feeling of like getting into focus and like getting present like in a split second because I had no time at all. Like I had the time from walking from my seat to the stage and then I got on stage and I had to like very quickly trust myself, (laughs) trust (laughs) the story that I had worked on. And I had told it to audiences before. It wasn't the first time. And I had to trust this audience where I couldn't even really see them because of the lights. Um, But I could feel them and I could feel their energy. And it's almost this feeling of like, I described it as crowd surfing recently in a newsletter, (laughs) which was something I, I dabbled in as a teenager, but like being like floating on the hands of the audience and like letting them like guide me, but like knowing that I'm going to be okay, like even if I fall. And I like had that feeling then in a way I've never, like I can tap into that like physical manifestation of what that was like. Like it was like presence with the people I was in conversation with. It was like presence with my story and like what it was I was communicating. And it was just like, being exposed on a stage, but not exposed in like a like emperor's new clothes way, like exposed <laughs> of like the light, like then there were literally lights on me. But, you know, like the like the, you know, manifestation of that feeling. 
Um, and I've had that. And then I've, I've had times where I've trusted myself and like sort of trusted what I was communicating. Like maybe I hadn't fully worked on something in the way, or I was like experimenting with ideas and like had no trust in the audience because either I was like communicating one way to like a pinhole camera on a computer, or I just didn't know what would happen. Like once this communication was out into the world and it feels uncomfortable, but not unsafe because I've worked so hard on like those other realms of trust. Like I am always now living in this like cultivation of trust in audience, whether it's like an audience of one person <laughs> or an audience of like, who knows, like people listening to a podcast and I have no clue. Uh, thank you so much for laying out such a beautiful and vivid description of both that I think many people will be able to resonate with how that feels in their body as well. I think that's so important because it's very easy to get in your head when you're thinking about um, being interviewed or doing this new photo shoot or whatever it may be for that visibility. And so I think really bringing them back to this is what this can feel like. Also, shout out to past podcast guest here at Font Your Fire, John Good. It's funny how small of a world it is. Uh, he's actually a host for the mall. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, so thrilled to hear that you were a part of that experience. Um, just being able to witness what that's like. Uh, and then now hearing you reflect back, it literally felt like crowd surfing. <laughs> Yeah. And actually, it's one of those things where I think I recently just wrote about this in my newsletter, too. The next day, I had another show at a comedy night in Philadelphia at this, like, dark bar that, like, you know, there were always the people that congregated at the bar and they would just talk the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then there's, like, some people watching and people going in and out. And I told the exact same story that, oh, and I also won that I got picked out of the hat for the first time told that story and then I won too. Wow. I forgot that part. Because <laughs> actually, awesome. like, I really don't, that doesn't even mean as much to me as like the rest of what I experienced that day. But the next day I told that same exact story in this whole other setting and like the audience just didn't. There was like nothing, like no laugh, no acknowledgement of even listening. Like I could just like hear the people in the back. And I actually wasn't upset. I remember being like, you know what? Like, I have what happened yesterday and it's not that I'm never going to tell this story again because I believe in this story and I know what's possible with this story and I believe in myself. And so, yeah, it was like an awkward six minutes or seven <laughs> minutes, but it was like interesting to have that. And it is like, I do believe that and maybe those listening, like it's trusting like what's going to happen once you're visible is the hardest area of trust, I think, to cultivate. Uh, and I think it's also what shows up for me is it's a great reminder that every environment and situation, even with the same story, can be so different, whether it's the change in who's there and consuming your story, the change in the energy of the environment. Like you said, at the bar was kind of dark and people were talking a lot. All of that can kind of play a role in the results. So, you know, if something's not working, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to throw the story out. Right. Or change who you are in any way. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know can feel like, especially like in just thinking about like marketing and branding and like the worry of like, oh, well, if that wasn't like received in the way I want to receive, then like it must be me. 
and not even like it must be what I said, like it must be me. And I have definitely gone through that as well. I know this is a little different direction than we planned on going, but I'm just wondering uh, in your experience with your clients and also for yourself, have you found that there are some differences in telling the same story in email versus a live video versus uh, social media or something like that? I approach my own storytelling and how I like the framework I take my clients through. It's really grounded in a spoken form of the story. So there is like writing that happens around it. But ultimately, then the story like from even the writing, the stories are built back up to be spoken out loud. But I have used stories that I have spoken aloud first on a stage for entertainment purposes, then like woven into a keynote at a conference or like a presentation um, that I've like an introductory presentation about storytelling that I've done like on behalf of my company and newsletter. And I'm trying to think other, oh, and podcast as well. Like I produced three seasons of a narrative storytelling podcast and the third season was all my own stories. So bringing them back in that way. And the stories do shift depending on, I call it like what communication channel they go through, like what the output is. Mm-hmm. But I, I, for myself and the people I work with, like really encourage people to trust the spoken form and to really make sure that your spoken voice and the, the way that you would naturally communicate comes through those other channels, whether it's written or like maybe part of it's visual in a social media post um, or in like a PowerPoint, like a presentation that has like slides or things like that. And so... What I think changes are the circumstances of the story. And so this is an exercise I I take people through and take myself through of like as much as possible knowing like or guesstimating who your audience is like from a values perspective, from a psychographic perspective, if it's people that you know, like kind of really diving in and being like, well, who's there or who's going to hear this or see this or read this? and then. The final two questions I ask folks when I take them through this story circumstances exercise is, why are you telling this story? And what do you want your audience to do once they've heard it? And when I always present people, and I've I've been fooled by my own question too, with this question (laughs) of why are you telling the story? A lot of people, a lot of my clients instinctually will answer about their audience. Well, I want the audience to feel like they can do this too, or I want them to understand that blah, blah, blah. But that why are you telling this is like, if you could be as selfish as possible in the moment, like what is your internal motivation intention for communicating, even if there's no audience at all, like this has to come through you, come out of you. What is that? Why? And so I frame that often as like an I believe, I feel, I think, I know, I do, like really like active I statements to really answer that why question. And then once you have that layer, of course, it's you can consider who it is that you're communicating to and what you want them to do, whether it's 
like a passive thing, like something you want them to think about or feel or something like that moves them to action in some way. So that I think is what shifts from communication to communication channel is that internal motivation and then also like the external hope. Uh, Thank you for laying that out so clearly. And I love how you asked them to bring that why back to themselves, because I witnessed that as well, um, that as, you know, values aligned and heart centric business owners and brands, we can easily default in what we want for others and forget to assess our own feelings and our own desires and our own wants. Yeah. And it's, it's a quite I'm glad I'm saying all of this out loud too because I don't always go like in my own work. I don't go through my own framework or exercises. <laughs> it's like a cobbler's, I don't know what the expression is. The cobbler's the kids cobbler's, have no shoes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's the kind of thing. So, I'm glad I'm saying this out loud because it like if anything, like if I don't have time to sit down and do an official tell me a story cir- story circumstances worksheet, I really can take the time to ask why of myself and then think about what it is I really want others to experience. I personally have been on a journey of learning to trust myself and trust my intuition more. And part of that journey has included deprogramming what I think I need to be based on societal standards, based on our culture. You know, we each are on a journey transcending our personal and professional lives. And the way we are each hardwired at our core affects the way that we interact and exchange energy with others in the world around us. Through developing a better understanding of our individual human design, we can bring more flow and ease to our journey while manifesting our dreams. I like to think of human design as the blueprint or user's manual for how I operate at my deepest level. Decoding your human design chart can provide insights into how to optimally live and lead using your innate qualities and gifts. And I have a special announcement for you. In Pause on the Play, the community, you can actually access Decoding Your Human Design, a workshop facilitated by Cynthia. And Cynthia is just so amazing. Cynthia Davidson is your human design pathfinder. And in her workshop that you can access 24-7 at any time that you like from our community app or from our community website, she's going to guide you through an overview of your three core human design elements, your energy signature type, your manifestation strategy, and your decision-making style. And all of this will help support you and really understanding your energy centers and the wisdoms and shadows impacting your journey and the way that you show up in the world. Plus, she's also going to share a few self-love declarations that I found to be really powerful for me. You can access this workshop and sign up today by visiting pauseontheplay.com slash community. And with your $97 membership, you will have 30 days access to Cynthia's workshop, as well as the entire community and all of the wonderful live events happening, as well as past workshop replays. So you can take in all the goodness. I can't wait to see you there. You touched on something that I I find to be very common, and I'll raise my hand and say that it applies to me too. 
um, is that as service providers and creatives and business owners, it can be very easy to pour ourselves into our work for our clients and our network and our audience and to not have the shoes for ourselves. Right. <laughs> um, and yet I witnessed that a lot of what you support clients with, you are also applying to yourself and moving even more into that in your life and in your business. And I'm just wondering why you may feel that others would benefit. And by others, I mean other service providers and leaders for setting that example for their clients through applying the work to themselves. I, well, anecdotally, I immediately think of my partner who he renovates homes. So he like mostly redoes kitchens and bathrooms in, in people's homes. And his home is a construction zone. <laughs> and it's because he's so busy and booked that it's hard for him to schedule time to work on his own house. And so I have a completely different business and it doesn't involve drywall and demo and plumbing or things like that. <laughs> but I would say like I made a big shift. I mean, post pandemic, but I, like post the start of the pandemic um, and but maybe not so much initiated by it, just feeling at like a breaking point of like how I did want to show up as a leader and a service provider um, that I wasn't using storytelling, which is what I teach people and help people do for their own work at all, like in my own work. Like it was easier for me to stay small in the regard that I didn't have to like fully show up as myself. I could like talk about my work theoretically and like share my methodology, but I didn't really bring myself into my work fully. Like I felt it was kind of like a watered down version of me because I was scared of audiences for sure. And I also lacked a bit of trust in my expertise at the time and that I really could like claim my own methodology and my own perspective on a concept or like a craft of storytelling that was dissenting of like what other people <laughs> did and also like just different and unique. And so when I made the shift in my own business and like there's all I say the cobbler shoes things because there's always more that I can do. But when I made the shift, I was like, OK, like I am going to use a story every time I communicate with an audience again, whether it's like one person in like a networking like a you know a virtual coffee conversation or like a prospective client intro call or whether it's like my newsletter weekly or at the time I was still posting on social media so like how could I share stories there and also how could I bring stories into my teaching like in these workshops and things like that and so I just made that commitment before even knowing what story I would tell and so I started doing it and I was like okay so yeah I'm modeling the craft of storytelling. And it's not that I ever ask anyone to tell stories like me, but I'm modeling that it's possible to be visible through sharing a story. I'm modeling um, how stories can play a role in professional communication, which is, again, something I help people do. And I'm modeling uh, showing up like to any situation like wholeheartedly and genuinely. And if that's like, you know, 
weird sometimes or <laughs> like I don't feel great. It's not like the oversharing or overspilling of everything going on. But if I'm just, I don't know, like I didn't have to feel like I didn't feel like I needed to be polished or quote unquote professional or like mask my humor, um, things that I definitely felt earlier on in my business. And for me as like an end user of like someone who like has leaders that they look up to and also has like hired service providers, whatever kind of industry or work that they do, like I don't resonate with leaders um, or service providers unless they're they're showing their work through the way that they're communicating in some way. And that's honestly how I like when clients work with me. Yes, they want to work on articulating who they are, what they do, what they stand for with a story. But it's also then, okay, how can I use storytelling to show my expertise and my work and things like that? So I don't know. I kind of have a hard high bar for it now, but I've also like been fortunate enough to just like witness really great leadership and really great like service providing <laughs> in that regard. Uh, I love what you shared because I think that many times we can say to ourselves, okay, if I'm going to make this shift, I have to do all the things. And please correct me if I'm hearing this right, but it seems like you paused and said, I'm making a commitment that I'm going to stick to as the first step. And then after that, you committed to doing one thing. And that one thing is finding a way to insert one story into every time you communicate instead of, I have to go through this five-step process or all of these different things that I support the clients with. But just this one piece can change a lot. Yeah. And it's funny. It was a literal commitment that I wrote down for 2021. So last year, and I think I even wrote it as like, I am the chief storytelling officer of my <laughs> business. <laughs> and that was what I put down. And I know like there are companies that have chief storytelling officers and it means something totally different. But for me, I knew what that meant. And it knew it was just a commitment to to showing up. And again, having that new definition of like what taking up space can mean for me and that it's not like the what I like, of course, in my head, like over the top musical theater um, way of like presenting myself to the world. Like it's not that at all. I'm curious to know, as you made that shift and that commitment, did you notice any changes or shifts in the way others uh, gave you feedback or communicated with you as a result? Yes. People hit reply to my weekly newsletter. Um, and I would say people would hit reply before I did this, but I noticed a, a shift in what those replies were. Um, and if I even got like one reply, I knew that there were like in knowing how I respond to people, I knew that there were like tens to twenties more people that were thinking and feeling something mm -hmm. and just, you know, didn't hit reply. Like I listen to podcasts all the time, but I never like reach out to the podcast host to be like, wow, that really resonated with me today. So I know it's not really people's like instinct to really respond directly. Um, but I noticed, yeah, like, thank you for sharing what you shared. This is making me think of this. And like a little mini story would be shared in return or like um, just like an, a bigger idea that someone was ruminating on. 
um, in like in the work that I was doing and like in the like sales process or like the meeting prospective clients, like it was always named that like they felt safe or comfortable coming to me to even pursue doing this work because they had heard a story of mine or multiple stories of mine. And that I I really also approach, like, even if I am the only one speaking or typing in my newsletter, like, I really approach all of my communication as a dialogue and as reciprocal. And so what I did notice was reciprocity. And just even if not spoken out loud, I just, like, knew it was there. Uh, it makes me so happy to hear that because we talk a lot here about visibility being a two-way street mm-hmm. and how when you begin to have conversations in a way that opens the door or the window or whatever it may be for people to communicate back, that really strengthens the relationship with the audience that you've built. And it humanizes you, but it also allows them to be witnessed and seen back by you and their responses. Yeah. And I'm I'm a very visual thinker, too. So I, I always imagine, like, especially in these, like, non- visible like non yeah visual ways of communicating like I always imagine somebody that I'm speaking to like like a very specific person or group of people and I've actually like a few of my clients have podcasts and are working on having more solo story driven episodes and I know some of them have like recorded in their wherever they record with like pictures of people taped in front of them so that they're really speaking to somebody and so that really helps as well. Oh, I love that. (laughs) That share and suggestion indirect. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really helpful because uh, many times we're speaking to a screen that we can't Mm -hmm. see anyone on the other side. And so it grounds us back into the energy of communicating with the real human. Yeah, you can make a little cutout of a photo and have it pop up behind like behind your pinhole camera and above so then you can see somebody. (laughs) So I do want to shift gears a little bit um, and ask you if there are any misconceptions or myths or head trash that you see people (laughs) have about storytelling and communication that you'd like to disrupt. Because I think that we all can think that we know about something and having such an incredible expert like you here, um, I'm sure your perspective can be very different on those things. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have a lot. And it, <laughs> it is like, I think at first when I started to question what was around me in storytelling, and this was first, again, as a performer, but then even as I was building Tell Me a Story as a full-time business and like really figuring out how it was I wanted to teach people, I felt like tension or at odds with a lot of what was out there, but I couldn't articulate like why I felt that way or like what felt different around it. And so I kept quiet a lot, like in, like I would either kind of, or very early on really kind of teach a framework of storytelling that I would never do to this day. Like that was very, and what I'll talk about in a moment, hero's journey centered, Mm. Um, but then other things of just like, well, why why is this the way everyone has to communicate if they're marketing who they are in their business? Just like asking a lot of why questions, but then not actually saying them out loud or like 
trusting that I actually had the answer. And so I would say like a lot of what I'm about to share and like my and I'm saying dissenting jokingly, like pretty jokingly, um, like it's all been an accumulation of like, I guess, my thought leadership and like what I consider to be my expertise over like, you know, a handful of years and then like really now being comfortable being like this is what I believe in everyone like here we go <laughs> um yeah so I would say the first one is I believe that there are other ways to tell stories beyond what is considered a hero's journey and so I don't I'm not like a Joseph Campbell historian he's the one who's who coined the term or is like said to have coined that term. And I don't know like the nitty gritty of hero's journey, but from like for anyone listening, it's really like every story told in Western culture, whether you see it in a Disney film or whether it's somebody's TED talk of this idea that there's this one person that's one kind of way at the beginning of their story. Um, something sets them off either internally or externally on a journey where they are brushed up against obstacles and challenges. And then there's this climactic moment, this turning point, and then they're a different person at the end and ultimately have more power or can take credit for being like have a ch having achieved or changed or et cetera. And I just, I just don't believe <laughs> that everyone needs to have that kind of story because that's not actually everybody's experience. And I would say that's actually not most people's experience, whether it's the story of their business or just a story about their life. And I think I never told Heroes Journeys stories, especially when I was telling stories on stage. And um, I didn't win, win, quote unquote, story <laughs> slams a lot because looking back, like this kind of stories that did and the, you know, they were judged by audience members were very hero's journey. Um, and then in early, like February 2020, there was this op-ed article in the New York Times written by Britt Marling, who's an actor, director, writer, science fiction person. Uh, and it was called, I Don't Want to Be Another Strong Female Lead. And it's a really incredible essay, opinion article um, talking about her life pre being an actor and she worked in finance, like corporate America finance, and then like what that kind of did to her as uh, someone who identified as a woman. And then also like what a strong, quote unquote, strong female lead like really meant in in the entertainment industry and that in Hero's Journey, they're often the ones that are killed. <laughs> um, and that also in that article, and this is like where my head exploded and I was like, oh, yes, this is like totally stands for what I teach is she um, equates the hero's journey storytelling structure to a male orgasm. <laughs> and so in that article, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she is completely right. And then she goes on to say, like, it is, you know, like men, male orgasms can be celebrated, but what about women? And like, like, what is the structure of that? And like, what happens when other types of stories, like other structures are possible? And like, let's imagine a world where people can share stories. And she's, you know, mostly talking about like in the entertainment industry, but I saw it way beyond that. And it rocked my world and made me look at like, the framework I had built, the methodology I had built. And I was like, oh, yeah, like this is and I was already teaching another way. I just hadn't been able to see like to name 
the distinction. And so that really helped me in that regard. And so when I work with people, it's I just the only requirement is beginning, middle and end and everything else is up to you. And so I spend a lot of time working with clients on their unique set of story ingredients. So like how it is they want to communicate, like what, like if you had a big soup pot, like what could you throw in as your communication style, um, genre even, and like values wise, like how you want to communicate. And so giving people the freedom to explore that, like I've just seen an like so many people like unlock something within them that gives them permission to trust themselves and then really start to trust that middle trust the story. Thank you so much for laying that out. Um, One of the things that shows up for me is really considering how, as I've witnessed the hero's journey and how that's laid out over the years, I have wondered for people who have had certain hardships and challenges, if that can actually create distrust in themselves and their story, because they may not feel like they had this climactic end where everything's super rich and happily ever after. (laughs) And so there's some of the most beautiful stories that if we don't have other service providers like you showing another way can feel like um, there's no room for that in the world because it's not this hero's journey. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I think too that I I notice this a lot when I work with people that there's a really big hang up about the ending of a story. Well, like, what's the ending? I'm really like struggling because I think in Western culture and with with this hero's journey style of storytelling, we're like waiting for what you just said, like that happy end or that resolution or the like accumulation of power or to be changed or all of those things. And that's not like for a lot of people, that's not what happens. But you can still claim an ending to the story that you're sharing. It's not like the ending of your whole experience in life. It's like, but no, like you can end this story how you want to end it. If it's with uncertainty, if it's with like a new direction to explore, or if it's just like, here's this event that happened to me on this day, I'm just going to end it how it ended. (laughs) Like the literal ending of what happened. And I think there's so much pressure to like have this like desirable ending that it it does like the trust is harder to cultivate because of it thank you thank you thank you for laying that out um i think that that's going to be really healing and inspiring for some people to hear and i personally hope it encourages them to go and dig into that trust of self and story and begin to tell more of their stories yeah And that brings me to (laughs) what every episode I ask is if you could leave those listening with one action to go take to create some impact in their lives and in their brands, what would that be? So for all of you listening, if you are a journal person, this might entail grabbing a journal. If you are a verbal processor Grab your phone's voice memo or Voxer, however you like to record. Um, or if you're like an, a walker and an intuitor, like <laughs> plan that some time for yourself for that. But I would say I really encourage you to take a, an audit of your, which sounds so accounting-y, but take an audit of your 
trust, your pillars of trust. So like your trust in yourself, your trust in your story, what it is that you're communicating, um, and trust in audience. And whether that audience is one person or like a family member or like a podcast audience or your social media audience. It could be like that whole spectrum, right? See where you are in each of those pillars. So if I'm a journaler, so I think I would like do a whole page of like, trust yourself. Like, what does that mean to me now? Where do I feel like it's already cultivated? Like, what do I want? What am I curious about in this realm, in this moment for me? And then like, move on to like, trust your story. Like what, how it is that you're communicating, what it is that you want to communicate and like, what is lacking there or what's existing there for you. And then same with audience and just journal on it, ask yourself questions about it. I think it's really helpful because it can feel overwhelming um, to to be visible and to take up space without being grounded in those three pillars. It can feel untethered. And, and really, I believe it's possible to feel grounded and visible at the same time. Uh, such a powerful exercise. Thank you so much for sharing that, Hillary. I'm so, so excited to get the feedback from those of you listening and reading of what comes up as you do this exercise. Be sure to share it with us at Font Your Fire on Instagram or in our newsletter. And I'll be sure to make sure that Hillary gets to see that information and hear that feedback as well. Yes, please. I am curious as well. And it wouldn't be a Font Your Fire episode if I did not ask you what does flaunting your fire mean for you right now? I think this goes back to what I said about that commitment that I made last year, which I've carried through, even though it's not a commitment written down per se for this year and years moving forward, is flaunting my fire is me consistently sharing who I am, what I do, and what I stand for in story form because the other thing, and this goes into like the trusting your story is like, I can trust that if I'm communicating with a beginning, middle and end, and I have thought about why I'm telling the story and what I want the listener to do. And I know that it, it's an exchange of dialogue and there's reciprocity. Um, that's all I have to do. <laughs> like, I can just share and like give voice to what it is that I want to put out in the world. And to me, that's flaunting my fire. And it doesn't like, again, with my visual brain, like I imagine like a big like stage show with pyrotechnics um, when I hear <laughs> the phrase flaunt your fire. Um, and I love I've been to many a concert where there have been, you know, theatrics and pyrotechnics. But for me, it's like the inner light that can come through in how I'm communicating. I so love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared, your stories and your incredible exercise as well, Hillary. And I know so many people listening are going to want to check out your work and learn more about how they can connect with you and dig into finding new ways to tell their stories. So could you share where you would like them to connect with you? Please head over to Tell Me A Story's website. It's tellmeastory.info, I-N-F-O. And on that website too, you'll see I host a monthly virtual gathering for folks like you listening called the Speak Up Session. 
And every month there's a guest storyteller. It's typically a client of mine working on a story and they want to cultivate that trust and audience. So it's a wonderful space to be in that regard. Um, But we also dig into the more conceptual things that we talked about today in like group conversation and um, through prompts as well, like journaling and conversation prompts. So please come if that interests you. And yeah, all of that is on the website. And a side note, you have a really great newsletter. And I've noticed um, that as I've started to receive some of the communication there, uh, you're doing something really, really smart in giving your readers the option to read the article in the newsletter or they can click a link at the top and hear your voice as you share the story that they're reading. Um, so be sure to head on over to tell me a story as well and sign up for the newsletter. Yes, please. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I so enjoy bringing powerful conversations like this here to you because I know that branding and visibility can feel like they're such tangible subjects, but there's also a lot of underlying things that are not quite as tangible to go with that. And I think that Hillary does a great job of blending the tangible with the intangible in her work. And I just so encourage you to keep in touch with Hillary. Check out the incredible things that she's doing. If you miss it the first time, you can find out more about Hillary at tellmeastory.info. Again, that's tellmeastory.info. Have you ever been told that you need to be visible in all the places all the time? Have you ever met anyone who has that story about visibility? Or might you have it yourself? Well, coming soon to the Flaunt Your Fire podcast, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Marquetta Sims. And Marquetta and I are going to be chatting about all things boundaries when it comes to your business and your visibility. So make sure you stay tuned to the Flaunt Your Fire podcast. This episode of Flaunt Your Fire is brought to you by Pause on the Play. You can learn more about Pause on the Play's community, workshops, and podcasts by visiting pauseontheplay.com. Your life is not a distraction. It's the main event. And over at the Pause on the Play podcast, Erica Corday has interviewed Adrian Dorison, the co-founder, along with Mike Michalowicz, of Run Like Clockwork. And they're going to be discussing how you can look at systems and clockworking your business and brand to support having more freedom in your life. Because we truly do believe that these two things work together. (laughs) So go ahead and open up your podcast app that you're currently listening from and do a quick search for pause on the play and hit follow so you can be notified of when that episode and all the other amazing episodes happening at pause on the play goes live. The Flaunt Your Fire podcast is recorded on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people. This land is also known by many as the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., and its surrounding area. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. 
whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business. It can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?